Hey guys, Tony Palo here from Equipping for Life. I am here. I'm here to help you. I'm here to equip you. I'm here to coach you. I'm here to empower you. I'm here to teach you tactical tools to overcome. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and we'll see you guys around. Now, how many of you miss cruising? <laughs> All right. I, I see your hand, daughter. I see your hand. And, and I want to give this. Some people treat the church like a cruise ship rather than a battleship. Some people treat church like they're picking out a restaurant. Let's see what they got. What they got on their menu. And then... When they choose a church like they treat a restaurant, they have the nerve of wanting me to send a dish back. We didn't like what you cooked up this week. And so the problem is, is that the cruise ship is amenities, battleship is opportunities. We know amenities, right? Anything that's going to make me comfortable. Well, I'm just, I, I, be, I checked out your website and I like what you guys are offering. I'm like, what are you talking about? Don't ask what the church can do for you. Ask what you can do for the church. And so we're using this month beginning today. Now, the subtitle of today's message is, I'm going to help you understand. This is going to be just one thing that we're going to talk about today. How equipped and healed is synonymous. How equipped and whole. When I say healed, I'm not talking about physical healing. I'm talking about whole healing. Whole in your heart and in your mind. That the word equipped and whole are incredibly synonymous. And I'm reading from Philip, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Come on. And this is what the word of the Lord says. This is Paul. He says, now, these are the gifts of the church. Ephesians 4, 11. These are the gifts of the church. That Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors. I'm a gift to the church. Everybody say, Pastor, you're a gift. Thank you. Do you really mean that in the back? Some of you didn't say it. And teachers. So you have all of these, because we still believe in the fivefold gifting, right? I know a lot of churches kind of say, well, you know, that stopped somewhere. No, we believe in the fivefold giftings of the church. Now, this is, our, this is your responsibility. So my responsibility is to equip you. It says here, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then... This is a good part right here. I have this underlined in my Bible. Then we will no longer be immature like children. <laughs> Do you know somebody just immature? They act like a kid. Don't look at them now. They're here. It's just, this is Paul says, then. He didn't say then you'll be able to heal the sick and raise the dead. He said then we'll stop acting like spoiled babies. Is it okay to call somebody a spoiled brat? No. My wife says no. Pastor Sherrod? Yes. I didn't say it was nice. <laughs> Married for life. Then he says, we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. This is, this is Paul here. 
He says, listen, be equipped so that you stop acting like kids and that you're not following every wind of teaching. And we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Hello. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together. I like this word, perfectly. That's us. He makes the entire body fit together perfectly. This is an important part. As each part does its own special work. You ever in a group of people and everybody's working hard except that one person? We got them everywhere. Maybe we have one or two in this church. Maybe. You got those who want to be the loudest critics, but they're, they're sitting in the cheap seats. You got those who want to take, 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 and give nothing. That's right here, right here. Each, it helps the other parts grow. So as you do your special work, it helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Like, I like this version in, in Ephesians 4.16. This version says, for his body, the church, has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. And as every member has been given divine gifts to contribute. Don't come here thinking we're a cruise ship. Come here thinking that we're a battleship. It's not about making you feel comfortable. It's about giving you opportunities. It ain't about amenities. It's about opportunities. As every member has shown and been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. As these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we were built up and made perfect in love. This is it here. The word church is used in the New Testament 115 times. In the Greek. In the New Testament, it's used 102, 115 times. And there are two Greek words to describe church. All right? I want, and this, I did, I, I did this, uh, uh, I, I presented this to you in 2017, 18, but I wanted to use this as a reminder. The word church is used 115 times to, uh, uh, using two different Greek words in the New Testament. The first Greek word is ekklesia, and that is used 113 times. Talking about, you've heard ecclesia, right? Where we get the Spanish word iglesia. Iglesia Pentecostal de Dios, Santo Cristo, Espíritu Santo. How many of you have been to that church, yeah? My family, we were kicked out growing up because my mom cut her hair. But that's another story. Disciplina. No. Ecclesia. Serious, it's a true story. You think I'm making this stuff up? And from... So the called out ones, now this word in the Greek was used 113 times and it's a name taken from the Greek culture where people would gather in the streets and make public declarations. So you know the early church didn't have buildings. This is why we've been teaching this for years. So when COVID came and shut everything down, we were like, no problem. It didn't affect us. I got pastors coming to me and says, we got to sue Gina Raimondo. Let's sue her. I'm like, I ain't suing anybody. I'm too busy. So for us, it didn't really affect us because we were like, we, were, we always had the understanding that if aliens would come and shut our building down, we would still have church. If the zombie apocalypse came, we would still have church. If COVID came, we still had church, even though we didn't have a building. So that's Ecclesia, where they were called out once. They, they, they stood in the streets, made public declarations, uh, 
influence policy, influence politics. They really were concerned with the social concerns of their day and influenced major decisions. That's ecclesia used 113 times in the New Testament. Now, there's another word called kyriakos, only used two times in the New Testament. And this has to do with people of the Lord gathering together for worship in a building. That word in the original Greek was used in 1 Corinthians when, when the disciples gathered together for communion. So they gathered together, they kind of, this was like a Christian huddle where we all gathered together. Now, for 300 years, the dynamic of the early church was homes. For 300 years, the dynamic of the early church was streets, not seats. For 300 years, the dynamic of the early church really was about evangelism. So we have to pay attention to this now. After 300 years, there's this gentleman named Constantine, for all you historians, he becomes an emperor. He becomes a Christian. In the year 13, 313 AD, in that year he becomes a Christian and he makes it a law that everybody should be a Christian. This is post-early church. So he makes it a law. He's the emperor. He, makes, he says it's a law. Everyone has to be a Christian. And then he lays out a tax. And with that tax, guess what he does? He builds temples for church people. He says, Christians need buildings to meet. Fast forward to year 1522, Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther, he comes up along and the father of the Protestant movement, the Reformation, he resisted now using the word kyriakos because what he did was he translates the Bible from the Greek language, from the Latin into German. He says, we got to make this the Word of God accessible to the one, to, to, to people who can't read Latin. So he resists using the word kyriakos because he says, I want to remain true to the fabric of the early church. So instead of meeting in church buildings, he said, it ain't about the streets. It, it's not about the seats. It's about the streets. So in the, in the German word that he uses is ecclesia. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we tend to prefer kyriakos just out of laziness and convenience. I'm going to go to church. Pastor, I miss church. Pastor, when are you going to open up the church? Okay, we've been shut down for three months, but have you been witnessing to someone else? So Martin Luther comes and resists the urge to make it about a nice, warm building. And that, but it really hasn't changed the fact that the church has become very consumer-minded. We've turned it more into a restaurant menu. Any specials they got? What they got? The other day, we go to uh, uh, Texas Roadhouse. We like Texas. No? Nobody? Just my wife? I know. You don't have to admit it. Oh, Pastor, I like Capitol Grill. You got it like that? You go. But if you're going to give me a gift card, don't be giving me a gift card for $25, man. That's like a Diet Coke. So we go to Texas. Everything, when we go to a restaurant, I want everything centered around me. I want, if I have one complaint, I want them to give me a free cheesecake. And so, I, I don't know if you knew this, but they have a lunch menu that goes till 6 o'clock. We get there at 5.58, we're like, get in quickly, let's go. All six of us can eat for $31. Everything's centered around us. That's the restaurant mentality. 
how do I get the most out of this and pay the least? Some people come to church like that. Not here. Not Judah Multicultural Church. Churches out there. People, and you have to understand, during COVID, it was the people who criticized the most that were sitting in the cheap seats. I'm like, who are you? You don't get to speak into my life here. And this is a piece of counsel for you. You've allowed people to speak into your life that you don't even know their last name. If you're sitting in the, if you're sitting in the nosebleed section, you can't talk, you can't, you, you, I, I get nervous when people sit in the nosebleed section and they're saying, Pastor, I'm praying for you. I'm like, I don't know what you're praying for. And so we have this mentality of people, they're like, they're treating, oh, it's a cruise ship. Cruise ship, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to think. You know, you just kind of, you go outside your room, and if you see a crowd of people, you just walk. <laughs> Chances are they're going to end up in the dining room. <laughs> you don't have to think. But Jesus is coming back soon now, ladies and gentlemen. And we have to see this as a, we, we, we have, we've developed this mindset that church is something that serves us when really the church is something that we serve. And everything, my conversations, my sermons, my instructions, my teachings have been centered around making disciples. Now, question is, is how, what does an equipping church do? What does an equipping church look like? What is it? We have actually about 40 pictures that following the service today is about 40 people that over the last 39 and a half years that we've equipped that are serving in ministry, that are serving in the mission field, that are serving as evangelists, as pastors, as teachers, as prophets, as, in, as uh, uh, leaders in our community, that you have been doing. This is not something that I started. This is something that Pastor Manzo started way back in the 80s. Okay? So this is, we've always been an equipping church. So when we came 16 years ago, Mike, we were like, man, this fits us. The vision of what these folks do really fits us. So, but what does it mean now when we say Restoration Church, we're an equipping church? Because at our, at our core, mission is at our core. And I see this phenomenon happening within our, our church. And my role is to help, be, help lead you to express God's plan for this world. And churches and people that are passionate about people outside their walls are always more effective and always healthier. And there are people that are always focused way too much on themselves. You know what we call those people? What do we call those people? Selfish. Self-centered. When you have some, not sense, when you have folks that are always focused on themselves, think about, I want you to do this this week. As far as thinking about the ministry of Jesus. You don't have to be fancy. You don't have to have prophetic words or know how to witness. Think about someone else. Think about someone else this week. And they, they are found in every single community. And the key thing, what I love about being equipped is obedience to the Great Commission enables you to live past the heaviness of, of your own life. We get so consumed with our own wounds. We get so consumed by church hurt. I got church hurt. I mean, I got church hurt too. You know who else had church hurt? Jesus. But, and the key thing, like, if I, if I was picking a team, I would not be saying, 
Judas, come on, join us, man. You're awesome. You sound really, you know, really cool, man. Come join us. I would not be picking Judas, but this is how kingdom Jesus was. He picked Judas knowing that Judas would be the guy to send him to the cross. So the mission here was so valuable and so important. He says, I, I'm going to have to pick somebody that eventually is going to kiss me on the cheek. And he even said, what you got to do, just do it quickly. So everything centered around mission. And obedience now does something that the prayers of the senior pastor will never accomplish. Oh, pastor, pray for me. I ain't praying for you anymore. Does that sound kind of mean? I'm going to say it again. I ain't, no, I ain't praying. Especially if I see you in Target and you haven't been to church for two years. I ain't praying for you, man. Get your butt to church. Um, get yourself to church. <laughs> obedience will accomplish. You don't need deliverance. You need discipline. You don't need, oh, and, and then the nerve, we have a prayer meeting, and the nerve, people constantly slip us cards. Man, get to a prayer meeting yourself here. And the early church lived past the persecution. I mean, they were being persecuted, being cut in half with the saw, being boiled in oil, and they said, let's go preach the gospel. The greatest tool you'll ever gain is being restored by the power of Christ. That's what it means to be equipped. I looked up, I did a, a, a review, I did a word study, in the Greek Bible study under the word equip, and I wanted to share it with you. This is what it says. Cartizo, cartizo, has a variety of meanings. It means to repair, to restore, to a former good condition, to prepare, to fit out, to equip. It is used of, when they talk about reconciling factions and brokenness and fractures, is they use it as a term, a medical term, to put a dislocated limb back into place. They talk about it when it comes to mending nets, equipping a fleet, supplying an army with provision. So the basic idea behind equipping is an adjustment to putting all the parts into the right relationship and connection. So the basic idea now behind equipping is not only just preparing you and giving you the tools, but the basic idea of equipping in its nature and in its nuance is healing. Wholeness. So it's not, here, here's a hammer. Go do something. It's being equipped with healing and wholeness. So I have, I have found that I'm completely convinced that mending people will take place when you equip people. So many people are like, I can't get to it. I need to be healed first. I, 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 need, I need to be mended first. But the, the word of God here, Ephesians 4.14, immaturity will end... And we will not be easily shaken by trouble. And we will no longer believe the lies. Stop. If you're living in brokenness and you're staying there, that means you're believing something that ain't true. And if there's an area of your life that you're still stuck, we sang that song, he breaks the bondages. There's an area of your life that the word of God has not been applied yet. Come on. For those of you who are like, no, I can't do anything until God heals me. You want to say it again? So, last year when I broke my foot two places, my uh, fibia, tibia, whatever it is called, it was very painful. They put me on meds. I hate meds. I hate those painkillers, man. I was, I was like, honey, I love you so much. You're the best wife in the world. 
You're my princess. This is my castle. She goes, okay, calm down. So during the process of my healing, I'm still in my boot, right? And the doctor says to me, it's time to begin therapy. So I make a joke with him saying, doctor, you know, I'm still broken. So he says something profound. And I wrote it down. He goes, even in your brokenness, you got to work. I was like, yo, doc, thanks for the sermon idea. People don't know. He says, you paying attention to me? I'm like speaking in tongues. I'm like, you okay? Why are you slain in the spirit? He's picking me up. So I'm like, doc, that's deep. And he says, but, so I start doing things like, but I'm hurting, I'm broken, I'm uncomfortable. I still got this boot on. It's swollen. I don't like it. And those of you who've been to physical therapy, man, those people are mean. How many physical therapists are here? You're physical ther- Okay. So they're mean, right? You know what I'm talking about. I'm like, dude, I'm, I, I'm broken. So he says, listen, even in your brokenness, you still got to get to work. So he starts talking. He says, the last thing we want is for scar tissue to appear in that foot. Because scar tissue appears when true healing hasn't taken place. That's called, you think you got healed, but you really didn't get healed. You think you got healed until somebody rubs against you the wrong way and the pus from your past comes oozing out. You're like, yo, what happened? I'm like, I thought he was a man of God. Cross him once, boy. He, he road rage. That's called scar tissue. That's called, there's still something there going on that we didn't realize was going on until we needed to apply a little pressure. So he says, we do not want scar tissue. Now, I went to my uh, uh, chiropractor several years ago, and uh, she's also myofacial. She does tissue manipulation, and she works with scar tissue. So uh, uh, I had scar tissue in my ankle, and she says, you have a lot of scar tissue there. And, she, and I says, I've sprained it several times playing basketball, you know what I'm saying, back in the day when I would try to cross over. <laughs> and so, he's, so she says, to, so you guys laughing with me, right, Pastor Anthony? So, Carl, we good? So, so she says, that's not good. We have to re-injure the ankle so it can hear properly. Now, I'm not an expert, but anytime I, I hear somebody say they want to re-injure a part of my body, that's never a good thing. She says the problem is, is that it never healed correctly. So we have to re-injure it. And she brings out all these, what's those tools called? Tommy Groston tools. And she beats up my ankle. Ralphing tools. And she, she really man, just manipulates it. And it was painful, but we got rid of the scar tissue. Now, I wonder how much of us in our hearts, we carry scar tissue that we're like, ooh, praise God, amen. And just because you speak in tongues doesn't mean you're healed. Praise God, amen. I want to be involved. But back then, you should have been in the process of healing. And I tell you what, healing is, is awesome and it's a breakthrough, but healing can sometimes be painful. So in the process of equipping... We put you to work when you feel like you're not ready to work. Well, I'm not, I'm not ready. Who's, who's, who said that? You? Under what guise, under what systems are you saying, oh, I'm not ready? I'm sure Noah wasn't ready to build the ark. I'm sure, I'm sure David wasn't ready to face Goliath. I'm sure Jesus wasn't ready to go on the cross. The fact is, is that God will determine when you're ready. And here the word of God is so clear and so beautiful when we talk about new testament discipleship and equipping we're talking about transformation 
We're talking about life change. We're talking about being mended, being healed through the power of being equipped. But the problem is, is that we have to get past our wounds. Because when we focus more on our wounds, we lose battles for a war that, for, for a war that's already been won. We focus, we promote our wounds and demote purpose. Oh, I'm broken. Church hurt this. Church hurt that. I still got to get there. I still got to get there. How much time do you need to get over your church hurt? Another year? Six months? Two years? How much time? Ten years? I'm going to tell you, it's always going to take longer than you want it to take when you put it under your own rules. So being equipped, the best tool that you could have as far as being equipped is being restored and transformed. Your best tool is your story. That's your best tool. And I love it because if we give somebody a hammer, what are they going to start doing? They're going to start looking for a nail. If we give somebody a saw, what are they going to start doing? They're going to look for something to cut. Now, ladies, you wouldn't understand this. I know the men appreciate this, right? Ladies are like, oh, brother, it's four. Where are the flowers? <laughs> like, I, see, see, I walk through Home Depot. I, I'm going to confess something. I don't know if you guys do this. I walk through Home Depot saying, man, this is a cool tool. I would never use this. But if I would have it, I would have to think of a project to do. And this is what equipping is. We give you the tools, and then you come up with your own projects in your, in your world, in your community. We give you the tools of restoration and transformation, and then you find something to change. You find somebody to impact. You find streets, and you begin preaching the gospel. This is it. Everyone has a special job. Everyone. Now, this is a challenge to some because a challenge to some people would and this is i'm going to share this because only because i you don't hear this but i hear this some of y'all are going to be like no it doesn't i'm like believe me this is a challenge for some because some people just pass out i don't know i just want to sit i just and we when we got rid of Thursday, we used to have thursday night service you know why i got thursday night service because you don't need another service to hear me scream at you we need more opportunities for discipleship. Discipleship takes place better around dinner tables than around rows. Discipleship takes place when you're sitting around a table with families and somebody confronts you and somebody rebukes you and somebody chastises you. But at the same time, they, they, they understand you, they encourage you, they, they embrace you, they, they lift you up and they read scripture to you. And there's a challenge to some because so many want the miracle but not the message. They say, feed me but don't lead me. Rescue me, but don't rebuke me. And some people treat Sunday mornings like a drive-thru. I, I know. I'm in shock too. <laughs> Believe me. Pastor, I know. Pastor Donovan, you kind of, every once in a while, every once, like once every hundred years I face this. <laughs> and on your way out, Pastor, good speech, high five. You want to do breakfast? No. Let's move on before we get ourselves into trouble here. This is what verse 16 says. For his body has been formed in his image and closely joined together, constantly connected as one. All right? This is, this is the Bible. So we're gonna, we believe this, right? 
And every member has been given a divine gift. Everybody say, I have a gift. So if you have a gift, that means you're a... Thank you. And some people don't know how to receive a compliment when I say, you know what? You're amazing. When I say, you know, you're amazing. Oh, Pastor, you're amazing. No, 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 no. Let me, let me compliment. You have a gift. You are a gift to your community. The Bible says you're God's trophy. You're a gift to contribute to the growth of all. And all, as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. Pastor, I don't want to, I just, you know, if you don't step out, somebody else is not experiencing your blessing. If you have a prophetic word, you're like, oh, pastor, um, it doesn't count if you tell me after. <laughs> pastor, I had a word, and you kind of mentioned it third, uh, a third of the way in, so, I, you know, I didn't want to bother. If you have a word, if, especially if God is giving you a word to operate in the prophetic, first of all, we have filters in the front to be able to help you, to, under, to help you understand where, how to stand out, how to step up, the timing of it, the accuracy of it, the sharpening of that gift. So when you don't practice that gift, there's someone else that is failing to grow. You don't get to sit back here and do nothing. What happens when the part of the body ceases to, to work? What happens when the appendix doesn't work anymore? What do they do? Using a knife. Oh, I'm a little lower. Using a knife to take the appendix out. It's up here. My wife's a nurse. And it's emergency. And guess what? When they take it out, they send you back home. What does the appendix do? I don't know. I remember the first time they took out an appendix. They were like, well, I think it's that. Let's take it out. Let's see what happens. You can go home now. I don't want to be the appendix. But we do have some appendixes. It's, there has to be emergency removed. Does that mean... I'm just trying to use a metaphor to help you understand. It's like everybody has a part here. Why aren't you doing your part? I, I'd like, to, I, I just, I, I don't know, it's kind of a rhetorical question, but in my heart I'd really like to know. This is why we say get involved in small groups. Because when you get involved with relationships, you know, you're, you're perfect. And we're always talking about, oh, we help you find your purpose. No, we help you find your purpose to fulfill his. You're special, but you're only as special and effective and as vibrant and as powerful as your surrender. So we're not here to help you find your purpose. We're here to help you fulfill his purpose. This is an equipping church so that the whole body is healthy. So what happens when we say join a small group? You're involved in a group of people. Sometimes it's the people that drive you kind of a little crazy that make you more like Christ. So some people are like, I'm just going to try to find a group that's really perfect for me. Don't find a group that's perfect for you. Find a group that's perfect for your character. Because as you grow in your character, you fulfill the purposes of God in your life. 
This is an equipping church so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Let's not see the New Testament church was filled with miracles because their lives were filled with evangelism. Their homes experienced power. You know, you know how many times a miracle happened inside the church in the New Testament? Maybe outside the temple, yes. Inside, because miracle moments weren't designed for us to have these cute little huddles. Miracle moments were designed to impact our community. Homes experience power. Why? Because homes were used as platforms for the supernatural power of God. Lives were endued with power because we got past this church hurt and so and so gossiped against me and I don't like what he said about me and I got to make it right and I got to make... No, people were consumed with the Great Commission. And here's the deal. The New Testament church, they didn't go, oh, we got to fulfill the Great Commission because Jesus said, Great Commission. No, we say that. Oh, we got to fulfill the Great Commission because Jesus said we have the Great Commission. They did it because it was who they were. The church to impact their communities. They heard and they saw. And what did the early communities see? What did the communities of the early church see? Transformed lives. When they hear your story, when they see your life, you don't have to say anything. Let your life speak louder than your lips, right? When they see your life, they see how husbands love wives. They see how Christians forgive. They see how we don't complain. They see how we don't gossip. They see how we don't, we're not uh, absorbed and embracing anxiety. They see how we walk in peace. <laughs> I'm, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not here to spoon feed you. I love you, but we ain't a nursing home. We're a hospital that eventually turns into a school that eventually turns into an army. Jesus is coming back soon. And when I focus on people, God takes care of me. Isn't that true, honey? When we focus on people, God's got our back. When we focus on kingdom, God takes care of me. When I focus on the lost, God takes care of me. When I focus on Christ, supernatural things happen in my life. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And we've been magnetized by the favor of the Lord. You know why? Because it's about people. It's about reaching the lost. And the greatest breakthrough ever given is called the cross of Jesus Christ. Can we move past our, I'm still struggling, Pastor. Can we? Can we move past seeing your counselor for 20 years and not seeing a change? Can we move past, I'll only talk to the senior pastor because when I talk to him, everything's going to be all set. I don't want to meet with you then. Place your supernatural expectations on the God of heaven and earth and watch Him do incredible things in your life. Can we move past building equity around our wounds? Building real estate around our hurts? 
and say, Jesus is coming back soon. My responsibility is to live a transformed life. My life is a platform for anything supernatural. The Bible says in Chronicles, his eyes move to and fro from all the earth, looking for someone that he can find faithful. We're an equipping church, ladies and gentlemen. And when you are healed, you are equipped to do something supernatural. What do you do? Go on to our website. Look for our small groups. <laughs> what is it, community? There you go. We have about 16 small groups. We have, some, we have 57 leaders. Anytime one of our leaders say, we're going to start a small group, I go, done. Join a small group. We have 16 of them. Don't find something that's going to make you feel comfortable. Find something that's going to make you feel uncomfortable. Because <laughs> we're here to afflict, right, Rico? Afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. There are way too many people out in our world looking for a cruise ship. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time that we find the battleship, stick to our positions, and so let's change our world for the gospel. Father God, thank you for this day, God. <laughs> thank you for our, thank you for your word, Jesus. You take care of your church. You said on the, this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. We're going to stand on impact. We're going to stand on making a change. We're going to stand at transforming our landscape. We're going to stand as righteous men and women of God who are imperfect in so many ways, who are beat up and busted in so many ways. But it's time to get to work. Even in your brokenness, someone needs to see the love of Jesus. So we're here and we're here to serve. Find your stations. Anybody here served on a ship? Navy? We have a couple of friends back there. Once you get onto a battleship, you're there to work. You ever see those beds? I'm like, I could never just, I could never serve because these beds won't, I won't fit. <laughs> There's a spot for you, but not so you can follow. Oh, help me find my calling. No, we're going to help you fulfill his purpose in your life. That's what we're going to do. We're going to help you fulfill his purpose, his assignment on your life. How do you do that? Join the men's Bible study, first and third Tuesday. Join the women's Bible study, second and fourth. We have a 12-step group. If you're struggling through addiction, we have, we have a 12-step group on steroids right here. It meets every Wednesday night. We have a small group. Young adults. Oh, my gosh. Where's Chuck? Way in the back. Working. Young adults. What's the maximum age, Pastor Chuck? 34-ish or 34? So 34-ish. If, if all you do is come Sunday morning, you're going to go hungry. And if you're watching from home, thank you for watching from home. But you don't just look at a menu online. You go in person. 
Somebody says, I use a lot of illustrations of food. Is that true? It's okay. Listen, you don't just look at a menu online and go, yeah, I'm good now. You go in person and you experience. I'm glad you're watching. It ain't the same behind the screen. Come in person and join us. If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ today, I want, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to know that Christ loves you and he's got a plan for your life. And I want, I want you to be sure before you leave today you have a relationship with Christ. Can, you just, can we all just repeat this prayer? I want to ensure everyone here has a relationship with Christ. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Forgive me of my sins. Clean my heart. Make me clean. Take away my shame and my guilt. I want to live for you. Be my Lord and Savior. I love you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, how many of you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning? Anybody here? On my right, on my left? So everyone here has a relationship with Jesus Christ. Everyone here joins a small group. <laughs> everyone connects to a relationship mentor, a coach, somebody to disciple you, and then someone that you can disciple. I have three people in my life. I have someone that speaks into my life. I have a peer. And then I have someone that I speak into their life. Somebody that speaks into my life, a peer, and then someone I speak into their life. Set that up in your life. In Jesus' name, thank you for this church. Thank you for this army. Thank you for this battleship. Tend to your stations. Lord, we got our heart open. We got our heart open for the supernatural. And we believe that greater things are ahead for Restoration Church. Thank you, Father. I love you. Don't forget, your future is bright. Have a great week.